Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, along with my co-host, Susie Port, and it's time for Parenting Your Challenging Child. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. We do this every week, September through May, uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time to, um, well, give people a weekly shot of... uh, Collaborative and Proactive Solutions. Um, we got in snow here in Portland, Maine, here in the first week of April. Um, I guess it's pretty, but not as pretty <laughs> as it is in October or November. Right. Uh, how's it going up there in the hinterlands of upstate New York? <laughs> we have snow as well, um, more than just a little light dusting, but pretty soon, right, we'll have that spring-like weather. Someday soon, as the song goes. Anything you want to start with today, we do have uh, a caller from a much warmer place than where both you and I are sitting, but, um, uh, and I think a repeat caller. Um, Shall we we, uh, bring her on, I believe? Yes, let's. There we go. Area code 818. I think you are a return caller. Am I right? I am. <laughs> Tell us what's you going guys are on today. You're very used to me. <laughs> we, uh, we have um, no so, problem with that. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I'm still working. Uh, my, the, the person that I'm working with who is uh, getting certified by you hasn't met, well, did meet with my son, but she hasn't, we haven't done the first plan B yet. Um, with her, so we're supposed to do that this Friday, so I'm excited about that. Um, My reason for calling in today, and kind of my question, and I will preface this by saying I know that there is no good way of dealing with the explosion once it happens, Um, but my son is a hitter, and and he does throw things, Um, and so... He, the, the, the problem that I have is, A, I know I need to stay calm. Um, I need to make sure everyone's safe. So if he's hitting me, that means me not allowing him to continue to do that. Um, he has an absolute panic attack if I try and leave the area when he is in that space. Um, and so, and which escalates things. Um and even if I try and walk away just to, you know, so that he's not close enough to hit me, he will follow me. And he, it, it appears to me, and I don't know if this is the case, and it appears to me that he is looking for a reaction. He used to get, so fair enough. Um, he 
I don't give him one anymore, but it, I mean, it's gotten to the point where even it doesn't matter if I don't give him a reaction for 10 minutes, the hitting will just get harder and more. Um, he will throw bigger things at me to the point where I am concerned that he's going to start really hurting me. And so in those situations where I feel like I can't walk away because he will follow me and or it gets even worse, um, but I, I just don't know what to do and what's the best thing for him and for me to keep everyone safe. What kind of discussions have you had with him? I mean, just because there's nothing great to do in the heat of the moment doesn't mean you can't talk with him about the heat of the moment proactively. Um, I'm wondering if any kind of conversation along those lines has, has, has ever taken place because, you know, as you've heard me say many times, um, defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. But that doesn't mean you can't discuss proactively a plan for what happens in the heat of the moment. Now, that's, so that's part one. Part two is, you've got me a little bit curious about how it gets to that point. How, and I realize that there are many problems that need to be solved, and they're not all solved mm-hmm. yet, but, but what you're going to be hearing is that um, from the, the therapist who you've begun working with, who is good at CPS, is that unsolved problems that end up in Plan C are not going to cause challenging episodes anymore because they're off the radar screen. They are not expectations of yours anymore. That only Mm -hmm. means the ones that you're working on with Plan B because you're not going to be using Plan A anymore. So now comes the question, how do we get to that point? So I guess there are some – so like this particular point, so this wasn't even necessarily – a quote-unquote problem. I mean, I guess it's a predictable problem in that if you tell him he can't do something, he's going to have an explosive episode. But um, he was playing with Legos, which he knows that they're they're tiny Legos. I have a two-year-old that's already put them in his mouth and had an episode where um, we were scared he was going to choke. So he knows he has to play with them in his room, and he decided that, and it's never been a problem before, he decided that this particular time he was going to play with them out out in the living room. Um, and I tried every nice way to, you know, get him to play with it in his room, um, and it didn't happen. And so, you know, I went into, I, you know, he put it down for a second, and I said, well, I'm going to go play with it in your room. We, I went into his room, and he wanted to play with it out in the living room, and it was one of those things where it's not necessarily a current plan B, but because of, again, safety, I couldn't let him just have little tiny Legos that for some reason my two-year-old loves to put in his mouth out in the living room. And so because he couldn't have what he wanted, it turned into a close-up episode. So I guess that's, that's my guess. hard part is there, there's, there's – I know that there's certain things that you work on, but there are – I mean, he he's very – a lot of his unsolved problems are um, things that, um, like, our world does not function because if he doesn't do them, and, of course, you can't – you know, whether it be I'm not getting in the car, I'm not going to bed, I'm not – you know, all the other things that I'm sure kids do. Um, and so, obviously, I know that you try and 
plan C it as much as you can, but I don't, the, the times that he blows up are the situations where we can't plan C it for whatever reason. Well, and the only thing I would say to that is I'm hoping that the person you're going to be working with can help you organize things so that the things you're doing plan B on, you're doing plan B proactively. Because as you're describing it now, you're basically saying we can't do plan B on them, but especially because we are now in the heat of the moment, right? Well, yeah, we have things we're doing plan B proactively. And, like, this was a situation that, like I said, had never happened before, so it wasn't even something necessarily on our radar that we could have planned B beforehand. Um, I definitely have talked to him about what we can do in the heat of the moment, and there are a lot of situations that I'm able to diffuse before they get to that. Um, When we've talked about it, we've tried things like, obviously, counting, freezing, um, you know, all of those things, and we've talked about having, like, a word where we say break, and he knows that that means he's getting angry. We've talked about um, when I start to see him getting to that point, talking about, you know, it looks like you're really frustrated right now, Um, and he can have a very intelligent conversation where we make up a plan um, that he even comes up with, but his when he switches from I can think straight to defiance is so quick that I don't I don't think he has the capacity to stop and and have that middle ground where he can listen to remember we're gonna you know I've done it when it seems like he's still calm and I said you know okay ready break and he's like no I'm not doing that and I was like okay well remember we talked about it and. I think it still seems like to him, even though we came up with the plan together, that it still seems like it's me instituting it on him, and so that defiance still comes out. Well, and the other thing I would say is that ready break is um, still occurring in the heat of the moment, and it's it's actually not going to be a solution to whatever is upsetting him in the first place. It's basically sort of saying... Um, I can see you getting heated up. Don't get heated up. And um, yeah. you got you got low odds on that, right? So yeah. the big question uh-huh. is. Um, so I don't I don't have much faith in. Let's calm down now that we're already heated up. I have much more faith, uh-huh. and this is what the clinician will be helping you with, in really removing the things that you're removing, really doing Plan B proactively on the things that you're working on. And on the things that you're removing that really are related to sort of life, getting in the car, um, cleaning up, well, you know, one of the things this model helps you do is decide what things do we really care about early on here as we're trying to stabilize things and stay out of the heat of the moment. But what you may also be looking for is what we might call an interim plan, which is what things are going to look like, not in the heat of the moment, but how are we going to make accommodations? How are we going to adapt for the sake of calming things down on the things uh-huh. that we're doing Plan C on? Um, ready, ready break is low odds for any behaviorally challenging kid because it's not a solution to the problem that caused him to get upset in the first place. And it's basically saying to him, in so many words, I'd like you to calm down. And it doesn't sound like you have that kind of a kid who, you know, yeah. lets, so even though you arrived at it together, 
it's a heat of the moment intervention. What I'm wondering about that might be missing from this picture is how are we going to adapt life? And I don't know the specifics well enough, but your clinician will. How are we going to adapt to the things that we're putting in Plan C um, if we can't totally remove them how can we adapt them so that they go better than they're going now? And that's what we call an interim plan. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have enough specifics from you on the things that you're going to be doing those on, but the clinician can help you out with it. I just don't have any faith in anything that you're going to do in the heat of the moment that's going to cause him to calm, to calm down once he's already jacked up. That That's pretty low yeah. odds. Okay. But luckily, luckily... You do have somebody in your area who knows what she's doing, and so hopefully she can take you even further. But once again, and let's let Susie weigh in a little bit here too, but we are always happy to hear from you to pitch in if we can. Um, Susie, what do you think? Um, that it's a very difficult situation. I appreciate your in. We, my son was um, a hitter and through things when he got mad, as I'm sure our listeners have heard me said before, when my son got mad, he got too mad. And um, it was our job to help keep him calm and walk him through the problem. And, you know, we said to him, I see you're getting upset, but this is something we can talk about and let's see how we can work it out and see how we can make you happy and me happy. Um, I'm wondering, have you had a chance to keep a log for a week um, so that you've got your two or three uh, unsolved problems prioritized so when you do um, go to your meeting on Friday, you're, you're ready to start working on your problems? Yep, we I have we have our two to three problems prioritized. I have over 150 unsolved problems logged. Okay. Um, so and I so will. definitely we've done. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I guess my my question would be, you know, was your son even because re- the times that he does get upset, like you know, I I I almost word for word say the same thing. Yeah. You know, it it. If anything, it it makes him more upset. Um, then I, I like there's just other than him crying when he gets to that point of upset. Other than him having a complete meltdown and crying it out, nothing stops it. Nothing gets it makes it better. Um, even if I try to you know try the concept of you know I, we wanted to we just want to talk. We want you know to help you. All of those things, you know, I just get, no, you're not going to help me. I don't need help um, back. So, you know, I guess my biggest thing is I just don't know how to keep him safe and me safe at the same time without um, without instituting the full panic mode of me leaving, and which I feel like makes things worse in the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing that helped tremendously uh, with our son was, as Dr. Green had said, to talk proactively about the heat of the moment, but to make an appointment with our son so that it was a calm time. And what do you, 
what are you talking about? Like, what's how how does that conversation go? Well, it was um, let's say it was a you would pick the calm time about um, playing in his playing with his Legos in his room. And Mm -hmm. um, now I understand that that was a one-time thing, but since it's a one-time thing, it'll probably come up again. It was a hibernating Mm -hmm. problem. Um, But I would take that opportunity and um, make a little time to talk about, um, you know, the... the safety part of it um, that you can't have those little li- pieces in the in the um, living room, and what can we do to figure out together so that um, we don't have the little pieces in the living room and your um I'm sorry, is it a little two year old brother yeah. stay safe yeah. uh-huh. Um, but that you can still play with your Legos. Maybe um, maybe is there one other room besides his room that, that would be safe for him to play in? Uh, yeah, and, uh, um, you know, we, did, we actually did do that, uh, you know, hours afterwards. We did talk about mm-hmm. that, um, and... Uh, we came up with that that he can that he can try playing in Riley's room, um, and I guess my and and hopefully that'll work. Um, I guess my and again hopefully working with a clinician will help. Yes. Um, we've come up with I would say probably ten to twelve solutions on things, um, and it seems that in the moment. Um, because he, you know, it still isn't, it's still a compromise. It's still, you know, he, he may not get exactly what he wanted, um, in the moment because he doesn't get exactly what he wanted that even though he can, he can, when it's calm, he can conceptualize and agree Mm -hmm. to a plan Mm -hmm. in the moment. If it, if it's not exactly what he wanted, it, that defiant behavior still comes out, and, the, and our agreed upon plan goes out the window. Right, and that's and, I, and that's the tricky part. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah. I, that was kind of the end of my thought. Okay, it's just you know you have to remember that in the invitation that the first solution or the second or the third solution might not solve the problem, and you know you have to. Um, leave that part of the conversation with your son that you have to revisit, you have to talk again about the problem if it's not solved. So it's not unusual. I know it's it's difficult and frustrating because um, you want, it seems like a good solution, and he's even <laughs> agreed to it, right? But um yeah. But it it might take a few more uh, tries to get the problem solved. And the other thing I would add is that um, you want to make sure that when you're coming up with solutions, that the 
um, solution is not for something that should occur in the heat of the moment, but rather a solution that solves the problem so you don't find yourself in the heat of the moment in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing Absolutely. a little bit I'm hearing a little bit of an overemphasis, I think, on um, what's going to happen when the problem comes up again. Well, what we're really looking for is a solution that keeps it from coming up again in the first place. Because it doesn't sound like your son, like many, is going to be at his best, like most of us, once the problem hits again and he's all heated up about it. So the whole goal here, and the clinician will help you with this, is to be in crisis prevention mode rather than crisis management mode. And um, you know what? We'll have to see if the clinician can help you out with that. I don't want to cut you off, but we have two other callers standing by, so I want to make sure we get to the three, in fact. I want to make sure we – I didn't know we had room on this program for six calls, but we do. Um, So I want to see if we can – Get to them, too. Let us know what happens this Friday with the clinician, and definitely keep us posted. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Susie, I think it's going to be a busy phone day. Let's go to area code 5703, I think called back. 703, you are on the air. I'm sorry you had to hold for a while. I think you're a repeat caller, too, yes? Maybe not. Area code 703. We're going to go to area code 512. Mm-hmm. Area code 512, how are you today? I'm good, and I want to thank you guys for all you've done. I've recently found you within the last couple of months, and it's been a big help, a lot of insight. Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, I've got a, I've got an eight-year-old boy, and, um, you know, Going through all, um, all your all your documentation and everything, one thing that I just want to share what our what we've been finding. I don't really have anything else, but would try to maybe help other parents. Is you know, getting um, getting our son to talk about anything to solve any solutions is really hard. And uh, one thing I found was um, someone brought up pathological demand avoidance, and it mm. seems like that's that's a perfect description for our son he he just he can't do anything um that we ask him because he feels like he's completely out of control to the point where he just completely he'll, he'll curse and be ornery just all the time so it's really hard to ever find a time to solve problems let alone talk about them um so one thing i've been finding is is kind of create little problems that he can help me solve when we're just doing any mundane task because he's you know usually in such a bad mood so like he says dad we're going to play Let's go play basketball. I'm like, okay, we're going to play basketball now. Well, that gives him an option to say yes now. Like he's kind of in charge. He has control. And um, I I try to apply that. I'm trying to apply this strategy in order to maybe at some point where we can sit down, we can schedule time and work on a problem, whereas now I think everything's almost a problem for him, even if it's putting on his shoes. You know, I can't really talk to him about that ahead of time right now, but I hope I can one day. So when he is in a good mood, I try to just, like I said, just break. Like if he says, well, let's play basketball, I'll say, okay, where do I stand? He says, you stand right there. And then, okay, can I return it to you or should I shoot? And kind of just give him control. And I think it really helped. He didn't break down as much and he was in just a better mood. 
as like it's it's kind of a tiring method, but it's just one thing I found to help in his situation. I think that's great. Um, guess my question is, as you probably have surmised by perusing the materials on the Lives in the Balance website, this is not a diagnostically heavy model. And that doesn't mean that um, when you're reading about pathological demand avoidance, which is a much more popular diagnosis um, across the pond than it is here in the United States, um, that you're not reading things that are descriptive of your son. But I'm not sure that pathological demand avoidance, it, it, at the moment it doesn't for me, so I'm going to probe a little bit here. I don't think pathological demand avoidance um, necessarily explains why your son is not in a very good mood a good part of the time, which I think I heard you say. I don't yeah. think pathological demand avoidance helps us understand why your son is having difficulty participating in the verbal give and take that is required uh, when you're doing mm -hmm. the verbal give and take form of plan B. I don't, I'm not sure that pathological demand avoidance explains that. I think pathological demand avoidance might describe that, but I don't think it explains it. And so I'm still not convinced that we know as much as we need to about your son's irritability, if we could call it that, and difficulty um, participating in verbal give and take. So I'm very glad that he is um, playing basketball with you the way he is and that you are kind of bringing him out in that way. I think that's fabulous. But um, I think we need more information than what pathological demand avoidance is going to provide you. What do you think of that? No, I, I totally agree. Um, just because, I, you know, I've, I've been trying plan B, you know. When he's at the, in the best mood ever, I might, you know, throw out the question that ends in what's up and it immediately shut down. It'll say, F you, Matt, you know, like, because he, and so what, what the path the PDA describes, it describes into a T, but I agree. I, I'm trying to keep that in mind as I approach him and, kind of give him control so I can start working on plan B. I hope that that pans out for you, but if this is not about control, mm -hmm. let's say that that's not true, then he's still going to have difficulty participating in the verbal give and take of plan B. And he's still going to be cranky, grouchy, irritable a good part of the time. So I'm, I'm, once again, I'm very glad that you have found a um, diagnosis that helps you feel like you're not alone, helps you know that there are other kids out there who fit a similar profile, ties some things together for you. I'm just saying, I'm still not persuaded that we understand enough about why he's have he, he's eight year old eight years old I think you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if PDA explains the verbal give and take part or the irritability part, even though um, the description of him tends to come to life for you when you're looking at the pathological demand avoidance diagnosis. So I guess I would encourage you to not stop there. And if you need to talk to somebody who might be able to give you some more information about say, 
Um, whether your son has difficulty engaging in verbal give and take, um, and you might, you, you'd know the answer to this one, whether he has difficulty in ver engaging in verbal give and take outside of plan B, if he does, then that might be worth a, an evaluation of how he's doing with his speech and language and communication skills. So I guess I'm just encouraging you to dig it a little deeper than where PDA is going to take you, take you because mm -hmm. that's what I find with almost any diagnosis, and I'm not picking on PDA. I feel the same way about virtually any psychiatric disorder. It's descriptive, but it's not explanatory. Mm -hmm. um, so I, would, my, I guess my main words of advice are don't stop there. Okay. All right. I Make appreciate sense? it. There yep. you go. And keep exploring that website and – um, feel free to call in any time you want. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Let's go to area code 562. This might be a repeat caller. Let's see. I'm feeling like we have a lot of repeat callers today, but I could be wrong. How are you today, area code 562? Good. How are you? And, yes, I am a repeat caller. Good. We're glad to hear from you again, but you may have to reorient us because we – may not remember everything about you just based on the area code, but what's on your mind today? Um, yes, I have a six-year-old, um, or he's almost six, with um, diagnosed with ADHD. Um, it's been difficult to get him to uh, participate in uh, Plan B conversations, so you recommended that I use the five fingers or even the thumbs up, mm. middle, and down method, mm -hmm. um, which we did. Um, to be honest, I didn't even try the five fingers because I – kind of had a feeling my son is too distracted to uh, keep track of that. And it's also, he has a hard time um, sometimes knowing, um, but remembering in the moment what number and so forth and uh, just remembering instructions. So I didn't want to put another thing on his plate. So we used the thumbs up, middle and down. Um, and it worked out pretty good. We just had a conversation about why it's difficult for him to talk about problems. Um, this was a, a few weeks ago after I had just called in last time, and um, pretty much what he told me was that he thinks it's boring and he doesn't always know what to say and that um, sometimes he thinks he's in trouble. Um, and that was from me asking questions. Um, then, um, But it, what's difficult, um, and that has been difficult in uh, subsequent conversations that I've had with him, is that he gets distracted extremely easily so it's really really hard to keep him on track um, when talking about anything um, and another issue that I'm having is that he's um, we do pretty well at home we don't I don't think we have any huge issues and maybe because I've always been I guess more of a plan C parent than a plan A parent so I've never found him to be extremely challenging at home um, I guess it depends on you know what some people might see, say that he would be difficult, but he doesn't hit or attack me or anything like that. And we've always, I, I've always tried to talk to him, but at school and at his after school program, he has a lot of problems. So I'll get a note or a phone call about things. And I haven't really been able to get the school or the after school program on board. I've, um, I bought the book Lost at School for his teacher. Um, but I haven't been able to get them on board with implementing anything different. He is also seeing a therapist who comes to school to speak to him, but uh, the therapist is a little more oriented towards um, 
talking about behaviors and already having a solution in place. Like when uh, we've talked about when he gets mad, he's, we read a story and he's going to go into a corner and take a moment to calm down. So um, that's kind of where we're at. I'm sorry. I kind of included a lot of different things, but it's just um, my biggest challenge is that a lot of the problems I have with him are not happening when he's with me. And then it's difficult to talk to him about it because I think he thinks he's in trouble because he got in trouble for it at school. So it's already something he doesn't like talking about. And then he's extremely distracted. So it's difficult to keep him on track. So I was hoping to get some advice on that. Well, um, here's a good example of plan B imitating real life. And that is that he is seems to be letting us know that he is lacking the attention span, if that's what it is. Um, and there's other things it could be, but if that's what it is, um, to participate in a good part of life, not just Plan B, mm-hmm. without being distracted. Yeah. Is that a fair summary of what you've been saying? Yes, absolutely. So, and I don't remember if you're the mom I brought this up with. Um, that's probably going to require, and I don't know, I don't remember what you've done so far, but that's probably going to require some additional evaluation because mm-hmm. if he's that distractible and that inattentive, one of the, and it's truly distractibility and inattention, then for better or worse, one of the things that are commonly done especially in the United States, but in lots of other places too, is consideration of medication. Because if it's truly inattention and truly distractibility, medication has a pretty high hit rate of working. Mm -hmm. But since I don't remember if I brought that up before, and of course since I've never met him and since I haven't evaluated him, all I can do is tell you what is commonly done and what is effective for kids who are very so inattentive, Plan B is actually taking place under some pretty optimal circumstances. It's taking place on a one-to-one basis, presumably under quiet conditions. Um, what he seems to be proving is that while you can get some information out of him using fingers, he's still very easily distracted, even if that's what's going on, even under those optimal circumstances. So the, the question is, the reason I would probably recommend further evaluation, unless I'm not remembering that you had it done already, is because one of the things I like to make absolutely sure of when I have a kid who is inattentive and easily distracted is that there's not some language processing issue going on that could, could help account for. There are many kids with central auditory processing issues who sometimes look very easily distracted and very inattentive but it's because a good part of life is going on around them in language and they have a language processing delay that's making it very hard for them to participate in a language-based life. And so given that he is participating in Plan B but is still very distractible and very inattentive, and given that we are hearing about that with him in other realms of life as well that are less optimal than Plan B, One thing I will say is that life and Plan B, as Plan B is normally done, do share um, both a demand for attention and also, often, language processing. 
And so often one of the things you want to really get a handle on is whether you've got a language-based issue here or whether you have a just pure inattention distractibility thing here. And that's something you'd probably want to get evaluated further before you start thinking about, well, if this is pure distractibility and inattention, do we want to go with the most common intervention for that? And quite frankly, an effective one. Do we want to explore what it would look like to think about medication? So I just said quite a mouthful. What do you think of all of that? Um, yeah, I actually, um, uh, you mentioned that the first time I called in as well. And uh, when I first met with his therapist that he's seen about three or four times now, she said in the first meeting that she didn't see any signs of a language processing delay. And I, I don't know exactly how that presents itself, but um, it's very, um, that's where it's kind of strange that he can overhear a conversation that I have on the phone and then ask me three hours later um, about what I said in the conversation. So I do think he understands what's being said around him, and I do um, that he, he can speak. I mean, for example, he, he loves um, tornadoes, and he can tell you so many things about them and, you know, all these facts. He can just talk on and on about it when, you know, he really um, – he knows how to express himself, but it's he also changes the subject frequently. So I, I my gut tells me it's a distractibility thing, and the therapist seems to think that as well. Um, the medication came up in the first meeting as well, and she said that she would like us to try therapy first because he's so young. Um, now that she's seen him a few times, I saw her last week, and she did mention that it is very hard to have sessions with him because he is so distracted. So I don't know if mm-hmm. she she may bring that up to me soon um, that it may be required that we do so. And um, I see how much he struggles. Um, around. She, she also mentioned to me that, and I know you're not a fan of diagnosis and I'm really starting to feel the same way. She mentioned that she sees that he may be on the autism spectrum as well because of some social skills that he lacks, that um, he's very outgoing, but for example, it's very difficult for him to, uh, take no for an answer when a child doesn't want to play with him or um, accept an apology from a child. Even it, like, let's say they accidentally step on his toe, he will become very upset even if they apologize to him and insist that the child did it on purpose, even though they explained it was an accident. I didn't see you there. And he'll expect another child to forgive him if he were to do the same thing and get extremely upset if they don't accept. So she, she thought that that was for, those were signs of autism, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I don't know if it even matters if, you know, but um, it's just a little confusing. Um, It makes me, you know, I I just want to try to help him the best possible way. And I've always felt that the fact that he's easily distracted seems to be what gets in his way the most. Well, and then what's going to end up happening, uh, and first of all, I don't think you want to get too caught up in the labeled part. You want to stick with the skills he's lacking. Um, you could spend a lifetime trying to decide whether he's on the autism spectrum or not. Um, But it's good to know that the therapist is noting some things about your son socially that um, might be also concerning. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the big question for you, so you're entering triage mode now, and that is if you feel that the inattention and distractibility are the biggest issues, 
And if you feel that you don't want to go through a more formal speech and language evaluation to have somebody who is looking at that in a much more systematic way, um, then you're probably thinking of, well, then medication may be a route that we want to go here, right? And, of course, making the decision to explore that doesn't mean you've definitively decided to do it. It just means you've decided to explore it. And then, of course, you're going to go through a period during which you, if you decide to go that route, whether it's working, and if it's not, why it's not. And if it is, that's great. Um, one of the nice things, if medication is working, is it sometimes takes some other things with it. And so you, you may see some things that you might not have predicted that medication was going to address, but then it does address it. Um, and so there are problems that disappear just by virtue of having your son be less distractible and more attentive. So your big decisions, though, are, do you want to go with your current therapist's informal assessment of the speech and language um, issues, um, or do you want to do something more formal? And do you, if in discussing with the therapist whether um, what to do with the inattention and distractibility, um, it's always an option to medicate. I'm a pretty conservative guy when it comes to medicating. I like to sort of rule out the other stuff before I rule in medication. Um, so those are your major considerations. Okay. Yeah, it might be a good idea to have a more formal evaluation done. I kind of uh, feel the same way that I would like to know for a fact that the medication was necessary for him to be successful before I decided to do that. So, yeah, it might be a good idea. It is, um, in my experience, probably the most effective thing to do for inattention and distractibility, um, and you may not find out how well it's going to work until you try it, but those are your decisions. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for calling in. Susie, anything you want to add to that before we – well, I don't think we're going to get to our other caller today. We have uh, we may have run out of time here uh, to see if uh, area code 703 um, is back but, Susie, anything that you'd like to add? Just um, I appreciate that thinking about medicine for a child is um, is a pretty serious decision. Um, when our son was little, um, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned, so we did go for a further evaluation by a uh, neuropsychologist just to, um, because our our son was exhibiting some uh, uh, distractibility and some ADHD-type symptoms. Um, And we did end up using medicine, um, not a decision that we took lightly, but it it helped uh, tremendously. And... um, like you said, ended up helping with uh, some other things, some other things along the way. Um, I I forget if she said about the um, therapist 
uh, if she had a chance to give her um, a copy of the book Lost at School. I was concerned that the therapist was more oriented on behaviors, and um, that could be, um, you know, difficult for the child because he's uh, having one... um, one thing at home and then another thing at school and and by focusing on the behaviors he is getting into trouble um so just maybe she could um keep the therapist in the loop as well on that note I'm going to have to thank you for calling because we're about to run out of time feel free to call back anytime of course um, we're happy to help you out to the degree that we can without actually having met your son. Thank Keep you so much. You bet. Thank you. And Susie, that is going to do it for us today. I am so delighted that we are having as many callers as we are on the oh, program. There's such a need for the program, yes. Well, that's why we do it. Yep. So, talk to you next week. Okay, take care. Very good. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.